Well, super excited to see you today. We're continuing in our series uh, through the book of Daniel. Uh, and I'm just so grateful that you're here. I want to say that if you're new, that uh, Jesus isn't like for the select few, like he's for everybody, for God to love the world, like for everybody there. So this is for everyone. And uh, if you were invited this morning, we're an invited church. We're super glad that you're here. And so uh, again, we're going to look at the book of Daniel. Uh, we're in this series called How to Thrive, How to Thrive in a World of Chaos. And the title of the message is, Will You Stand Up? Will You Stand Up uh, in a Bow-Down World? And so there are three points to the, that I have here. My three main points to this, I'm just going to give them to you. Uh, the first one is you're going to face a lot of pressure in the world to shut up, you know, to be given ultimatums, to be quiet, to go with the narrative. So a lot of pressure to shut up, but then God empowers you, God empowers you to stand up in the midst of that culture. And if you'll do those two things, if you'll do those two things, you recognize uh, I'm told to shut up, but I can stand up, I can speak up. What happens then is the people around you, they're inspired then to look up to the God of heaven. So anyway, so what we're looking at is an amazing story here that has captured the hearts of people for centuries. And so we're looking at the story where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're now in their 30s. About 15 years have gone by since chapter 2. So they are going to encounter King Nebuchadnezzar, the dictator of the world. They're going to be uh, threatened to be thrown into a fiery furnace unless they bow down, unless they compromise, unless they go with the narrative, they're going to face the, the furnace there. And so this is, a, this is an incredible uh, action-packed chapter here where you have the golden statue of King Nebuchadnezzar, where you have uh, the very hot furnace, where you have this narcissistic, self-absorbed king, uh, where you have uh, super courageous uh, three young men, and then where you have this uh, supernatural fourth being. And so those are the things we're going to talk about today. But it happens in the context of the godlessness of Babylon. And if you've been here, we've talked about how uh, Babylon uh, is more than a place. It's a spirit that is still exists today. In other words, the culture wants you to conform now like it did then. And so the time and the era in which we live, is really not any different than this time here, where they were pressured to conform, to compromise their faith, and to adapt to the cultural values of the day. Same thing we face today. So if you're able to stand to your feet, we're going to read from Daniel chapter 3. I would invite you to do that. I'll be reading the odd verses. If you could read the even verses, this is the word of the Lord. Daniel chapter 3 verse 19 says this, Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that his face became distorted with rage. And he commanded the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants and turbans and robes and other garments. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound, walking around, in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. You may be seated. Can't wait to talk about that. And so, Father, thank you that we're here. Oh, Lord, thank you that you are here. Thank you for all that you have done. Thank you for going to the cross for our sins to make us right with you. And Lord, this morning we've lifted up our voices in worship to magnify and to 
exalt you and just want to say that all of this is for you and done unto you. As we turn to this timeless text, I pray that it would uh, renew us and refresh us and challenge us in the reality that you are the God who is with us in the fiery furnace. I pray that you would whisper to us in the places where we're, whisk- where we're weary. I pray that you would strengthen us uh, where we need to be strengthened. I pray that you would stir us and ignite a fresh passion in our hearts to live for you, as did these three young Hebrew men 2,600 years ago. We ask this in Christ's name, and everyone agreed by saying, And so, this is an incredible chapter here. And you may be wondering, like, where's Daniel? Like, Daniel, the central figure in the story is MIA. He's missing. So Bible scholars like to speculate on why he's not there, but I don't like to waste time speculating, so we're not going to do that. But he will be back next, uh, next time, chapter 4. So anyway, so what we see here, the context is there's a 90-foot statue of King Nebuchadnezzar. So with the, uh, the base there, uh, scholars say that it was like 9 or 10 stories high, if you could imagine that. And so uh, to most of the people in Babylon, they're used to this. This is what they did. This is their normal routine to worship uh, in, a, in a polytheistic society there. So they had all kinds of idols. So they kind of just would naturally go with the flow. But to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I want to point out here that they're not at being asked to stop worshiping their God, but to add to that the worship of other gods here, this idol. So, and they knew that the Bible, the Ten Commandments, forbid, forbid that they would do this. It says in Exodus 20, that you must not make for yourself an idol. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. So now they have this great conflict because if they do what the king is asking them to do, they're violating what they know is God's law here. So they knew that God was serious about keeping the law. And so uh, they faced almost unbearable pressure, though, to conform to the expectations of the culture around them. In this moment, uh, it is estimated that there could have been upwards of 300,000 people that were there. This is the known world that was there. 300,000, and there's the three of them standing up amongst the 300,000. And so and the choices are, the choices are either bow down like the other hundreds of thousands, or it is death by fire. Not really attractive options there. So Daniel chapter 3 verse 7 says this. Peoples of every nation and language fell down and worshipped the golden statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So here's the reality. King Nebuchadnezzar was crazy in love with King Nebuchadnezzar. How many people know what I'm talking about? You meet people like that. He's like a narcissist on steroids. He has an incredible ego, the most powerful dictator on the planet here, one day wakes up with the idea and says, you know what the world needs now? What the world is missing, yes, what the world is missing is that uh, we need a statue of me. That's what we're missing. And so he thinks then, 15 years after the last chapter where he saw the golden head And then the other parts of it that uh, uh, as he went down, they were increasing in value, the silver, the bronze, uh, the iron and all. So he thought, you know what? 15 years he's been thinking, 
I don't want to just be the head because they told him after you is coming another kingdom and another kingdom. I don't want to be just the head. I want to be the whole body. I want to be everything here. And so I'm invincible. Uh, there's no kingdoms coming after me. This is an eternal kingdom. So the scene then is like, it's almost like a national holiday. All of the dignitaries of the culture there, they got the royal orchestra. Uh, I could see the kids being out of school. I mean, it's a, it's a mega big deal. So in all of them then are being asked to bow down to this idol unto himself that he has erected. And I just wonder, I wonder uh, about us here today, and, we, and uh, Garrett did a brilliant job talking about idols last week, but think about that. An idol can be all kinds of things there, social media following, can be wrapped up in, in your appearance there, can be wrapped up in your position or your title, can be wrapped up in your skill, uh, your ability, what you've done, uh, can be obsessed with all kinds of things, your appearance, entertainment, sex, comfort, technology, lifestyle, fame, family, you name it, it's, the, the list is endless there. What I want to say is this, though those can be good things, they can be good things, some of them are they're necessary things, <clears throat> but when a good thing becomes an ultimate thing, then that becomes an idol in your life. So that's how it starts. Good things then grow to become ultimate thing in our life that in a sense in our heart of hearts, we're bowing down in worship. And so all of us then uh, uh, can learn from the story here because what happens is he's given an ultimate, they're given an ultimatum. And in culture today, you will be given an ultimatum uh, where where culture says either you bow down and you go with the narrative, you worship, uh, and if you don't, uh, you don't be compliant, you'll be criticized. If you don't be quiet, you'll be ridiculed. Uh, it's not like you do you and we do us. It's like you do what we tell you to do or you will be canceled. You bow to the idols or we'll figure out a way that you will burn. There is a furnace and if you bow down, you and culture today will have to face the furnace. So in chapter 3, I think we're going to ask any question, any overarching question of the chapter, I think what rises from the chapter is this. Is the faith within you greater than the furnace before you? Is the faith within you? Because if there's a furnace out there, and you're going to, you may face that furnace, what about the faith within you? As with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that their faith actually led them into the furnace. That's what we're going to talk about. It says in Daniel chapter 3, verse 8. But some of the astrologers went out to the king and informed uh, on the Jews. And they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king. Now I would just point out that the king may live forever, but it's not going to go very well for the king, and I'll leave it at that. So you you issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue. And when they heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and the other musical instruments, what do they do? The decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into the blazing furnace. And so what we're going to see here is that there is immense, unrelenting cultural pressure them to bow down. To the, there's pressure for them to, uh, to submerge how they feel and to shut up and just to bow down 
And so, so there's pressure, number one. My first point is the pressure to shut up, the pressure to bow down, the pressure to go along with the narrative that they face and we face. So verse 12 says this. There's some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you put in charge of the province of Babylon. And they pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue that you've set up. So these are the king's informants. And this is how I see this going down. This is how I see this going down. These guys, are, they're, they're kind of a little, a little uh, 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 they work for the king, the loyalties of the king, and they're like this. They're like this. They, hey, king, uh, remember those three guys, king? Remember those three guys, uh, Daniel and, and his buddies there, that the, like they helped the whole kind of dream interpretation thing? And king, king, remember, I know, we know that you like them. We know that you like them, king, but, but here's the lowdown. You need to know, king, that they're not bowing down. They're not going with the narrative, king, and, uh, uh, and the whole golden image thinking that they're not following. And when you start playing that soundtrack from the Lion King, nothing, king, nothing. They're, they're not responding at all, king. They're just standing up. They don't budge, king. They're like they're ignoring you, king. So the king then, he goes off. He just loses it. Verse 13, and, the, and then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage in order Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him, and they were brought in. And so all that to say this, that when you don't go along with the narrative, when you don't bow in culture today, what you're going to see here and what this tells us is that when you take a stand and you stand firm and you don't go along with the prescribed, carefully crafted cultural narrative, then the enemy is going to get really mad. They're going to get really, really mad. So there's, there's a, a message for us in verse 13. Verse 14 says this, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true? Now what? Now what he's doing, he's asking each one of them, is it true, Shadrach? Is it true, Meshach? Is it true, Abednego? Now he's going one-on-one. The most intimidating man on the planet is that, is it true? Is it true? Is it true? And so watch here, he says, is it true that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the golden statue I've set up? I'm going to give you one more chance. I'm really a nice guy, so I'm going to give you one more chance to worship the statue that I've made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, it's over for you. You'll be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace, and then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Now think about it. They've done nothing wrong. These are good guys. These are like really good, God-fearing, godly guys. I mean, they love God. They serve God. They're loyal to, to, to God. And so, and yet, uh, they've, though they've done nothing wrong, there's this immense, the biggest trial, one of the biggest trials of their lives. So I just want to point this out. You can love God. You can serve God. You can be loyal to God. And you can be in the worst trial of your life just like them. They're given the ultimate uh, ultimatum here. And so they're faced with this dilemma. Do we obey God or do we obey the political system? Do we obey the government? And so the same spirit again is at work then as is, uh, is, is it work now that was at work then. That they're told either you bow down and worship or you will burn. Either you convert or you die. 
Those are your options. And so, uh, so Nebuchadnezzar is so nice, such a, such a great guy here, that he, uh, he offers them the opportunity to a second time then to conform here or face the furnace. And so all of that to say this. Have you ever felt squeezed? Have you ever felt squeezed in a, into a scenario where the culture says, you do our agenda? Very good. We love that you're doing our agenda. But if you don't bow down, and you don't worship the idol that we're putting in front of you, we're going to make your life very difficult. That's what we're going to do. We're going to cancel you. Uh, we're going to make your business difficult. We're going to make your faith difficult if you don't go along with our narrative. But see, these godly young guys here, uh, they say, hey, you know what? We're going to make no room for, for your idol. We're not going to bow down. Uh, in, a, in a culture of King Nebuchadnezzar rule, that's where they stood. And so, uh, and here's one of my main points and kind of theme through the whole thing is that we are going to have to do what they did. We are going to have to do what they did. And what did they do? Their convictions were much greater than their willingness to compromise. They were ruled and dominated by their convictions. They lived out of their convictions here. I think the issue is you can have convictions, but like there's another layer below that that, well, at times when it, the furnace gets too hot, maybe I just might give in to a little compromise here in small print. And we live in a day and age where there's compromise on every side. Think of the, think of the, the picture there of three standing and hundreds of thousands are bowing down. That's a lot. They're, they're surrounded by a culture of compromise, just like we are. And so what is this message then? It's more than a talk. This is a call. This is a call to get your conviction back. That's what this is. I am challenging you. I'm imploring you. Uh, I'm begging you to get your conviction back. The dare, I dare you to have the conviction of a Daniel here. And what is that? That is that inner sense of, I will not bow. I will not conform. I will not bend. I will not compromise. As for me and my house, we're going to go with God. And so we have to have conviction because we live in a generation of, of, of complete and utter confusion. And it's increasing in confusion here. And so for us not to have a conviction then, we can get absorbed into that. So if you fear the furnace, whatever that is for you, you fear the intimidation, whatever that is for you, and you allow the fear of that to get into your heart, uh, you may compromise rather than face the furnace. And so in other words, you can be, you can be intimidated to be quiet rather than face the furnace. Uh, you would rather ignore it rather than stand up and settle for the furnace. So if you fear the furnace, then you're more likely to go along with the compromising culture that surrounds you. So conviction then is where you have to stand. And here's the thing that you, I know that you know this, but I want to say it anyways, that if you begin to give in and you begin to give in to the culture, what happens if you give an inch you know they want to take a mile. They're not going to be satisfied with an inch. They're going to keep going after you, even though it is incrementally, uh, there's an incremental approach to try to keep taking and getting you to, to compromise there. And so 
I think the, the, the point is, is that like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you have to have a different disposition. Like you almost have to look at the culture and say, I got to go in the opposite direction of that and have a different disposition. I think of Caleb in the Bible that says he had a different spirit. And that's what I'm talking about, had a different spirit. So what is your conviction? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had a conviction that we will not bow. Uh, we will not bow down. We will not worship this idol. We don't care about the ultimatums. We don't care about the furnace here. Uh, we, don't care, we don't care about when the music starts to play. Like, where do we land when we have the precursor of the music beginning to play before we're going to face a furnace? And so notice, I want to notice you to notice something with these guys here. There's something very insightful, not only what they do, but what they didn't do. What they didn't do is they don't, imagine them like the three of them, like huddling up, like, okay, the furnace, okay. So imagine Shadrach, Meshach, they're, they're, they're huddled up, and they don't do this. They don't say, hey, God, what's going to be, Shadrach, what's going to be our group answer? What are we going to do here? Uh, what are we going to say? What are you going to say? What are you going to say? I don't know. What are you going to say? If you say that, then I'll say that. No, none of that. They, they had a conviction, all three of them, uh, what it was going to be here. And so, uh, so what do we need to stand for this week? Like this week, what do you need to stand for? Uh, maybe you need to stand up and speak the truth. I, I don't know. Maybe you, stand, you need to stand up and pray and, and fight for your marriage, your spouse, your family. Maybe you need to, to draw a line in the sand and say, time to, to stand up and say, not on my watch. And so uh, time to stand and be, uh, uh, time to stand when perhaps you sense in your heart of hearts, oh, I'm beginning to recline a little bit into compromise, and, and you hear that still small voice, nah, I don't think so. D don't go there. So number one, number one, that is that we will face the pressure then to shut up. The second point is this, that God empowers you, God empowers you to stand up. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. We talked, this was talked about last week. In other words, they're saying, you know what? We don't need to give you an answer in this matter here. And they answer the king with conviction here, standing up to the king. Standing up then includes speaking up. If you stand up, you're going to speak up like they're speaking up right here. Verse 17, uh, here, they're here they're speaking up. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. And so uh, I think it's amazing here how they respond. I love how they respond here. And they're saying, hey, hey, if our God exists, our God's got us, he's got our back, and he will rescue us from the furnace. And they're saying this, King, our God is going to rescue us from the power of you. That's what he's going to do here. And so with courage, uh, with confidence, they speak the truth to the king. And in this moment, you, you know that their lives are literally, obviously, on the line. Like, they are going to go to the furnace. And so, uh, and they know that uh, if they refuse to bow down, they will lose everything. And we can feel the same way. We can feel that in culture. If I don't bow down... Am I going to lose fill in the blank? My position, my title, 
uh, in this case, even their lives. And so, uh, so they're willing to take a stand. How about us? Like, will we just take a stand for like, you know that it's right, but to take a stand will cost you something. Maybe it's something that, that maybe it's the ethical line, a moral line, uh, whatever it is. Uh, and so, uh, and if you cross that, it's going to cost, maybe it's God's sexual ethic there that you've got a choice to make, either follow God's sexual ethic or you follow your hormones. Uh, what are you going to do with that? Basically, uh, our convictions are never really tested until they're tested. They're never tested until they're tested. So be certain that every one of us is going to face the test of a fiery uh, furnace here. And we read in verse 18, these incredibly courageous words that they speak. Watch what they say they respond. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image uh, of gold that you have set up. They're saying this, king, throw the best you got at us, but it's a no-brainer for us. We don't need to think about it. We don't need to have a conference talk about it. We know that our God is able. But even if he doesn't come to our rescue, we're not going to bow, and you need to know that, king. We're not going to bow down. Uh, uh, we're not going to move here from our posture here. So God then gives them the power not only to stand up, but to speak up. And that's what God wants to do with us. Again, the Bible says these things, Daniel chapter 3, was written for us. They have the courage to stand up and say, but even if they determine to serve God no matter what, they determine to, to serve God no matter what the consequences. You see, they had this posture that if God doesn't show up in the way that we don't think that he would show up, He's still God. And we need to build that into our lives. Because a lot of times it, uh, we can go along and if God doesn't show up in our prayers or our situation, our circumstances, in the way that we want him to show up, he's still God. And so uh, and we need to trust that God is good like them. God is good even though the situation screamed otherwise. A fiery furnace is screaming that maybe God's not good. They didn't know until they stepped out in faith here. So God has, God has never said that he, he will not cause you to suffer. The Bible says, if any man suffers according to the will of God, let him do so by the committing of his soul unto him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. We will suffer. The Bible never says here that you won't experience loss or disappointment or betrayal, or pain, or injustice. But the Bible does say, and this picture paints for us, that he's promised to be with us no matter what our circumstances. So I remind you today that God is with you no matter what you're facing. Verse 19, then Nebuchadnezzar, here's his reaction when he finds out their posture. We will not be moved. We're going to stand up. We're going to speak up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. I want to talk about that in just a moment. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. So, so he's mad. I mean, he's hot mad. He's his face contorting 
mad. He, he, the guy's a, a, a rageaholic to begin with. He's hotter than, than the furnace is hot. You know what I'm saying here? He's a raving, out-of-control, maniac guy here. And the reality is now, uh, he's hotter than, than the furnace. Now, he is so mad at these guys here. And so I just want to point out that when you take a stand, when you speak up, you will face opposition. That's the point here. People can be upset with you. And so, uh, but I want you to notice something here, what happens. When they don't go along with the narrative, watch what happens to King Nebuchadnezzar. It says here about his attitude. His attitude completely flips here. It says his attitude then changed toward them. Think about that and think about your own life here. Have you ever noticed, perhaps at some point in your life, that when you don't go along with the narrative, when, uh, when you won't compromise, there can be a person or people that their attitude towards you can change. You know what I'm talking about? You, you just don't, you know, there's, I, sorry, I can't, I can't go there. Their attitude toward you will change. Perhaps it's a friend then that you thought that they were your friend, and then you don't go along, and all of a sudden, their attitude towards you it changes. And you find out that, mm, I, I thought that we had this thing going on, but now the relationship changes. So verse 19 says, he ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. Now I want us to think about that for just a moment. How stupid was that? Think about it. Like you can read this your whole life and never stop to think about how stupid was, is that? Like a furnace is a furnace. You know what I'm saying? Like you go into the furnace, you're going to die. You're going to melt. Like that's just how it is. And so it doesn't matter if it's one times hot, two times hot, three times, five times, seven times, 10 times. A furnace is a furnace. In fact, if you think about it, if you want to make it more painful, you're not going to heat it up seven times. You're going to turn down the temperature because they're just going to die. Quickly, they're going to die. You're going to turn it down and let them just suffer for, you know, for a period of time. And so, so it just makes no sense here for them to throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in there. Uh, and by the way, turn it up so high that it burns his own men. And the only ones that are killed are the Babylonians. Okay? So it just makes no sense whatsoever. And it's not really an important point, but I just wanted to point it out. All right? <laughs> so... Uh, so anyway, but here's the point. I do, have a, I do have a point, actually, from this. Here's the point. God bless you is the point. And so the point is, is in culture today, this is what they say. Either you go along or we're going to turn up the heat. I want to turn it up higher and higher and higher and higher. And that's what we're going to do to you. And so uh, we still use the language today, don't we? Hey, let's turn up the heat on them. You know, you know, more pressure. And so, and that is what they're experiencing here. The worship, the, 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 the pressure to worship something other than their God. So verse 20, and, and uh, commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to throw them into the blazing furnace. So these are these tough guys, you know, thick necks, you know, uh, kind of thug type guys. They throw them in there. Verse 21 so these men wearing their robes and trousers and turbans and all that were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot 
that the flames of fire killed the soldiers who took them up. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace here. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and said to his advisors, hey, I, I, I thought there was three men. Like, like, what happened? What's going on here? And, uh, and we tied them up and threw them into the fire, didn't we? So he's absolutely astonished here. All I want to point out is this, is that God doesn't always deliver us from the fire. Sometimes we go through the fire, but he promised us to be with us in the fire. I want to point out here that sometimes the fire actually has a purpose. See, the fire here had a purpose. This is a theophany or a Christophany, where, which is an Old Testament appearance of Christ. You have Christ in here with them, uh, the fellowship of the four. And so what I want to say is this, is that God will never waste a furnace in your life. Have you ever felt like it's being wasted? I, I have. Uh, but God will never waste a furnace in your life. Uh, we could give multiple examples, but for the sake of time, I'm just going to give one. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20 and there's Joseph, and Joseph has just got every hard knock imaginable to mankind. His brothers left him for dead, and uh, he's forgotten, uh, and so spent multiple years in prison that was unnecessary. And, he, and at the conclusion of his life, he says, you know, he says, you intended it, you intended it to evil, it was for, to harm me, but God intended it for good. Watch. Okay, his furnace, there, his pit, then, he said, for the saving of many lives. There was a purpose there. God had a purpose in his furnace. You intended it for harm, but God had a purpose to save many lives. So God always has a purpose, a purpose in the pit, a purpose in every prison like Joseph, a purpose in every persecution, a purpose facing every Goliath. A purpose in every furnace that we're reading about. God always has a purpose in every furnace. Verse 24. He said to his advisors, Hey, didn't we throw three men bound into the fire? So the king now did something the kings don't normally do, and he gets off his throne. He gets off his throne there, and he goes over and looks and he says, uh, Excuse me, excuse me. He's talking to his advisors. Excuse me, I thought, didn't we just throw three into the, the furnace uh, today? Uh, so, and uh, a uh, I, I don't just see three guys in there. I said, yeah, King, King, we threw three guys. He said, well, but I see four. And the fourth is like, it's like supernatural, like unto the Son of God. So he declared to his counselors this, and he says, are you guys sure? They've got their clipboards and everything. Yeah, King, there was, there, it says right there that there was three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but he's saying, no, 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 double check the clipboard. Yeah, king, there they are. He says, this is crazy because there's a fourth there, verse 25. Look, I see a fourth man walking around. The fourth one is like the son of the gods. So what's amazing to me is that these guys here, it's a small, smaller point here. What's amazing to me is that they're walking around. I want to pause for a moment, and I was thinking about that. They're in the fiery furnace, and the four of them are walking 
around. They're not in a hurry to get out. You know why I know that? Because the king had to say, guys, come here, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm calling you guys out. So they're in the fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego with Christ fellowshipping in the furnace. Just a thought. A cool, super cool thought. And so Nebuchadnezzar then sees a manifestation, a revelation of God in the fiery furnace. And the fourth man shows us that God was with them in the fire in the same way God is with us in the fire. And I can expect that God will be with me in the fiery trials of life. Verse 26. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. Like he's having to call them out. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And so uh, again, then there, there, there's no smell of, uh, of fire on their clothes. You know, when you're by a campfire, there's none of that. This is supernatural. And so they're, 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 uh, they're not delivered from the fire, but they're delivered in the fire here. And they were protected by God in the fire. Verse 27. And they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was their hair, hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. So the fire had absolutely no effect on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and rescued his servants, they trusted in him and, and defied the king's command. They were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any other God except their own God. So my last point is this, as the worship team comes up. My last point is this, is that will you stand up or will you bow down? You will face the pressure to shut up. But God empowers you to stand up to speak up. And when you do, look what happens. It inspired people, King Nebuchadnezzar, to look up. There is no one like your God. And so Nebuchadnezzar is so profoundly impacted by the sight of the fourth man in the fire here, that they had not been harmed by the fire here, that the implications were national. Watch verse 28. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I mean, he's flipping his jersey now. Now he's a fan of them, uh, will be cut into pieces. And they're, I mean, this is not exactly a, a good evangelistic approach to say either you believe or we're going to cut you to, to pieces here. And so, but now God is getting, think of it, Yahweh is getting national notoriety because three young men would not bow down but would say, even if our God doesn't deliver us, we're not going to bow. So the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So I close with this. And that is that every one of us needs to navigate future fiery burnaces in the land of a King Nebuchadnezzar in a culture that wants you to uh, 
compromise in a culture you're immersed in that is actually, I would call, brutal. We live in a culture that is now brutal, post-Christian culture, and our faith will be tested time and time and time again. And every one of us, make no mistake about it, is going to feel the heat over and over. But the good news is that we are not alone. And Jesus is worthy of every single one of us taking a stand, to stand up, and to speak up. Knowing that God will use the furnace for his purpose. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I see your God. He's the most high God. And so, there's no man-made furnace that can change your God-given purpose. They will be there, but know that. There's no man-made furnace that can change your God-given conviction. So you, you can have confidence to stand. You will not even smell like smoke. So my dare is I give a dare every single message of this series in Daniel. My dare to you is to stand up and not to bow down. My dare to you is to stand up and not to bow down. Father, thank you that we could be here this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the unwavering devotion of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that still speak to our lives today. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.